This is Morning Air. This is about educating a people that for 40 years haven't been given the full truth. It's time now to speak the truth. When you do things to the best of your ability, keeping Jesus number one and doing everything you possibly can for His glory, that's a winner. You are called to make the light of Christ shine brightly in the world. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio. Good morning. Thanks for joining us for Morning Air here on Relevant Radio. Happy to help you get your day and your year underway. It's Glenn in for John one more time today. Still to come this hour, we continue our series on landing your dream job. Bruce Lockenauer will join us with uh, the fifth of 12 steps, this time working with recruiters, how that can help you on your way to one of your New Year's resolutions of finding a new job, perhaps. Right now, we're going to take a look at a great saint, St. John Newman, part of our conversation with Father Marcel Tyone, uh, joining us from Narragansett, Rhode Island. Father Tyone, great to have you along. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you. Great to be with you. How is the year going so far in beautiful Rhode Island? We're doing great. We are uh, fighting a pandemic with courage and grace. Our our churches are doing well. People are praying. Uh, sacraments are in- helping people encounter Christ. So actually, we're very good. We're we're expecting a little bit of snow up in the Northeast this week. So we're bracing for that. We haven't had any, but uh, but overall, uh, peace, joy, and love is found here. I think in Rhode Island in the new year. Peace, joy, love, and a little snow. It all goes together. That's great. And uh, for those uh, getting snow. I ran across this in the last year, I guess. You know, if you don't find joy in the snow, you'll still have the same amount of snow, just less joy. And so uh, <laughs> let us find that. Uh, with all due respect and prayers for those who have to work outside in bad winter weather or wait for public transportation and all that, we know it's not easy uh, as much as uh, looking out the window and how beautiful it can be uh, when the sun returns. But uh, blessings to all dealing with snowstorms and the like today as well. We're dealing with a, a great saint, uh, and this is uh, for anyone who appreciates education, we have to appreciate St. John Newman. Absolutely, and I think most people probably know his name because of what we call Newman Centers, right? So around the United States and other countries uh, where college, Catholic college students gravitate usually to learn, to study, to pray, and experience fellowship, there's Newman Centers all around. And I think a lot of people don't know it's in the name of uh, St. John Henry Newman, who was an extraordinary convert to the faith, a former Protestant who, you know, his his Christ, he had encounters with Jesus even in high school, and, and later on, subsequently again and again, in his discovery of the Catholic Church being the true faith, founded by Jesus. So he's an amazing saint, and what I like about him is he, you know, he's a convert to our faith, and they say converts make the best Catholics, and sometimes that can be true, because they discover what we know, but don't appreciate in the same way, because people can finally have the real presence, have the stability of the bark of Peter and the magisterium, the saints, Blessed Mother, and our Anglican brothers and sisters have a lot of those things, but of course some things are extremely different. So uh, Henry Newman is a great uh, example. Uh, his writings are amazing. His life is amazing. And his journey, I think, is encouraging to all of us that, uh, that he was definitely on this journey of finding more and more Christ uh, throughout his life. So a great saint to get to know more about today for sure. Talk about those Newman centers and the the irony too with a, a convert 
yours truly, a convert as well. And I think of my, my very first semester at the University of Minnesota, I was a commuter living in the Twin Cities. And before I got so heavily involved and beautifully involved in a, a college radio station and uh, on the way to doing all this radio stuff the past many decades, uh, I would meet my fellow carpoolers at the Newman Center. Just kind of, it happened to be a a, a convenient spot uh, on the way to our, our, our parking area. And uh, I rode with a few other Catholics who, you know, never had one conversation about faith on the way. But uh, all these years later, uh, here we are talking about... Did you know, John I'm curious, Henry when you met there, did you know who he was at that time when you were meeting at that place or no idea? I'm just curious. No, that was just the name, just the name of the place. That, that was about yeah. it. And, uh, <laughs> so uh, more ironic than actually learning anything at the time, but uh, it, it still tickles me to be able to, to mention that from, from time to time as I get to uh, talk about him every once in a while here on the radio as well. But talk about more of what an inspiring example he could be and, you know, as a convert as well. Well, I, I, you know, I've read more about him even to get ready for today's show. And he, at 15 years old, he had some kind of a great encounter with the Lord. And, and from that day forward, imagine a high school age, you know, which, again, I think is also very encouraging to us, that sort of like Pope Francis's moment in session in high school, we, we forget that the Lord can move mountains in our young people and, and plant seeds that bear fruit later on in life for the whole church. And, and Newman is like that. He, he had this experience, and then it set him off. He, he said that after that encounter with the Lord, that he just, and then that was his first conversion. There were many others, so he called those that, but his writings are tremendous, and you know I think uh, some of his, his words, his books are amazing, And but, but he really is extraordinary and again just recently canonized right so in the in 2010 he was beatified in london by pope benedict and canonized just recently by pope francis in 2019 so he's really just raised to the altars in our days but again i i have wonderful i know i, I walk with a lot of converts in our rca program and many of them come from the anglican or protestant traditions and they find in him a brother to walk with them and they're attracted to his writings and his growth so he is really uh, just just a wonderful example for us. And I pray all the people like yourself that go to the Newman Center, they're like bus stops on college campuses. And sometimes I remember I have a girl going off to, I said, you got to look for the Newman Center. And she said, yeah, I said, they say that that's where there's a lot of pizza because I guess they give pizza out. And she didn't know who the saint was. Uh, she said, that's the place where you get free pizza from the Catholics. So I was like, well, we start with the food and then we get to the mind, the heart, and the soul. And I thought I thought she had a great insight, but like yourself, she didn't know. But if you're listening today and, and you, you know a Newman Center, it's good to support it, good to encourage people, if they're in, especially if they're in a secular campus of sorts. Like he, he really engaged culture. He engaged the world. He engaged ideas. They, they call him the absent father from Vatican II because of his writings on the human experience in light of doctrine and, and the truth. And he's really uh, quite fascinating. But I think if you have a young a grandchild or a son or daughter or friend or parishioner going off to college, especially in some of the more secular universities, right off campus is usually a Newman Center. And that's a place where Catholics can gather, and people do have pizza, but they will have adoration and, and really kind of, you know, be under, if you will, Newman's guise, his his guide and his, his guise of learning the faith. So it's really, he's a great saint for our times, and he is a, a more, you know, even though last century, he really has affected this century. And I, I think... Uh, I don't know it's a he's a just a tremendous just an encouragement I think a, a signpost and a lighthouse uh, in the modern days of the world in which we live 
As we talk about uh, St. John Henry Newman today, uh, Father Marcel Tyone from uh, Narragansett, Rhode Island, St. Thomas More Parish, our guest here. If you have uh, questions, uh, want to reflect a little bit on uh, maybe how Newman has affected you through the years or uh, inspired you in an educational sense as well, 888-914-9149, our number, 888-914-9149. And just a, a note about those Newman centers and the importance, especially on a secular campus, of having that, that Christian, that, that Catholic connection. There was a, a great ministry that uh, was underway. Uh, bishop Andrew Cousins, new bishop of Crookston, Minnesota. He'd been an auxiliary bishop in St. Paul, Minneapolis for several years. His mother, a longtime fan of Relevant Radio as well, uh, Judy Cousins and her husband, uh, had this great ministry where they would hook up college students with the Catholic resources in the area that they were moving off to. They were moving away to college, uh, you know, even whether it was a, a Catholic school or not. But where some of the, the nearest Catholic communities would be, neighboring parishes or activities like the Newman Center on campus to keep that connection strong as kids go off to college. That is so common that they can drift away when they drift away from home just a little bit as well. I know for myself, again, in the pre-Catholic days, but very involved in youth group with church and uh, helped build my faith a lot uh, as a young person and uh, kind of wished I'd gotten a little more connected. I got very connected to all the radio stuff during college, but fell away from practice a little bit during those years. So important that we, uh, whether it be resources for organizations like the one Mrs. Cousins put together or just on our own as parents to make sure our kids can stay connected through that Newman Center or other, other areas as well. And uh, it's so important to kind of Keep that, that faith connection, Father, while we're in the midst of what can be a very secular world. It's a secular world, and also going away to college, and again, the pandemic throws another layer of complexity uh, for our young people. But you're right, I, th- I think, um, and I'm glad to hear about that ministry. I had not heard about their work, but I think connecting someone. And when I went to college, I, I missed my home. I was up in New Hampshire, and I remember uh, back then the liturgies on campus I went, they were kind of kooky, so to speak. It was really out of just I had never seen anything like it, but I found myself in a local parish church, which looked like my home parish church, and just that even looked like it. I remember going in the back on Sunday morning, feeling at home there, away from home, and I found that sacred space, and thanks be to God, I was at Mass, but I remember that was a rough, trying to find out, again, pre-Google searches, you had to sort of go around and figure it out, but I think you're right, going away to college and university, moving away to MBAs, today young people are much more mobile, they they move all around much more than before, but that's why they need to kind of, I think, one of the things that can help them, uh, not only because it's, it's, you know, important and necessary to practice the faith, but Catholicism, which is global, anywhere someone goes, uh, they can find the Church, the Eucharist, and the sacraments, confession, so it's a matter of even doing some research, one of the great things we can give our kids, even our parishion kids, is is those hookups to places like the Newman Centers and, and local churches. So it's something that transition to college is always difficult, no matter how confident and how excited uh, young people are. There's a lot of things, you know, living away from home and close quarters with other people and stresses of academics and social expectations. So so university time is not always so peaceful um, and, and a confusing culture and some of the particularly secular schools teaching maybe against Christ, uh, all the more important why people need to find that home. And I think Newman's uh, feast day today is a a day for us to kind of be more aware of that, maybe more sort of proposing and and doing a little kind of ministry like the Cousins do in our own local world, but uh, connecting our young people to these kind of places where they can uh, do that. And I think we can even set the example when people travel on vacation, you know, taking our families or friends to a new worship site, uh, in a new place. It's kind of like a pilgrimage. I think uh, that that helps as well, kind of teaching 
kids when you go away uh, to, to go to mass somewhere else and get somebody to do that in college. And I think it's something we can teach kids as we travel with others too. I think it's a, it's a great lesson that a Newman JV squad is to do it when we're traveling on vacation <laughs> and visiting relatives and friends and, and holidays. But we can also do that. And then don't be afraid to Today we can find out online where all the Catholic resources are around any place that someone might be moving, even if someone moving for work. Same thing. Uh, Newman is the great example of the anchors that he places uh, in culture for our young people and for us as well. Since becoming Catholic, I've really enjoyed uh, when traveling to be able to you know go to Catholic Mass and realize, well, this is this is very much the same, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. But uh, the joy of seeing the Mass in a slightly different environment, and you know the the little things that might be a little different in a different parish are are beautiful, and of course set that great example that it's important when we leave home base that we still include that experience at Mass, as leaving home base often is the is the case in college. And for all the fancy electronical ways we have of uh, spreading the good news of the gospel. Still, that personal invitation ends up being so very important and maybe speaking to those kids that have held on very tightly to their faith while in college to take that moment to invite a friend to come to Mass with you, to come to that gathering at the Newman Center, whatever it might be, that can be a tremendously effective witness as kids off to college are kind of ready to go off to the first place anybody invites them to anything almost. Sure, and I know there's a university here in Rhode Island, it's um, it's a secular university, but it's very friendly to religion. That college has numerous converts every year because of the presence of the Catholics and a priest on campus. But they go up there. I think our bishops confirmed up to 20 college students a year entering the Catholic faith. Sort of not what you would picture happening, but I, if you build it, they will come. And I, and I think uh, many, many people in these college years have found Christ, I mean, even at non-Catholic schools. Uh, so I, I find it's hopeful, and we just have to make sure we stay connected to them. Remind me again, when was your conversion? When did you come into the church? I came into the church. I'd been working at Relevant Radio for a few years as well, so it, uh, it hasn't been overly long. I've been with Relevant Radio 18 years now, but uh, my experience at Relevant Radio helped me greatly. Uh, the uh, location in the Twin Cities we had going at the time included the chapel, and everyone in the building was invited, to, not only for the Liturgy of the Hours or praying the Rosary at 10 in the morning, but also in the afternoon at 3 for the Divine Mercy Chaplet, and that experience was great. I was I was open to it. I'd been fairly active in my Lutheran church through most of the years, but uh, thought, well, uh, this this can be good, and you know, working here is going to do more good than harm. And I'd worked in Protestant Christian music radio before that, and uh, so what I had learned day in and day out, uh, not only from being around holy people experiencing great things in the chapel, but all the programming on relevant radio as well. Really, you know, kind of bathing in that, you, you learn quite a lot. You know, some of the uh, and I and there was no no pressure right away. I mean, some kid I remember Drew Mariani kidding me in the early when are you going to join the club? You know, and, and uh, ultimately it was uh, the chairman of the board at the time, Tom Vorpal, at one point, and he was like, you know, asking for the, the order, right, when you're in sales. You go, well, what objections do you have? And, and by that point, I, I really didn't, and uh, he didn't even know I was on the way to getting signed up for RCIA at the time. And uh, But it, it really helped to be bathed in that conversation uh, on a regular basis, just learning about the faith and the, the fullness of the faith, I would say, not, uh, you know, we've had some converts, actually a lot have worked at Relevant Radio through the years, and some maybe ran kicking and screaming from their Protestant experience, and that wasn't the, the case for me. It was more of a, a pull to experience the, the fullness of the faith and, and serve in a better way through the through the Catholic Church, I guess, the way I look at it. I uh, had 
you know, friends I worked with that explained some things. Uh, the Marion things I, I kind of took to rather easily and enjoyed that as well. You know, some other things were more challenging. Uh, I didn't think confession was a, was a bad thing. That seemed like a, a great accountability deal at, at the very least, uh, let alone receiving a absolution there. You know, and then some challenging things like purgatory when you come out of a background of assured salvation and, you know, you learn about uh, uh, different aspects of eternity. But a great environment to, to learn and, and grow and ultimately become Catholic in. Well, we're, great. we're grateful you became a Catholic, obviously, and uh, but also grateful, too. I heard uh, today might also be your actual, so you were born into the fullness of the faith, and, but today might also be your actual human birthday. Is that right? <laughs> it, it, it absolutely is. Absolutely is. Nice too. big round number as well. So thank you very much for, for bringing that up. And uh, Producer Sarah, who is uh, <laughs> probably putting you up to that today. <laughs> no, we are grateful for all your good work and ministry. Honestly, we're grateful. But I love, and even your own stories like Newman, it inspires us to, again, cradle Catholics need to to uh, celebrate the birthdays of, of the new Catholics like yourself and your regular birthday, but also I think your, your birth into the fullness of faith. And I think that's why uh, Newman is so great for us today because, like yourself, uh, just, just it's really helpful. Uh, we who grow up, around the Eucharist and the sacraments, confession, and praying for souls in purgatory. We don't sort of think twice about it. Um, and and that's why I think sometimes a convert story can help a Catholic be a better apologist when we hear what the walk was like and what what the obstacles were and whether it's smooth or rough waters in. And I think what uh, yours and Newman's witness is helpful to us. And I think that's how we celebrate his his birth into Catholicism, your birthday today, but also your birth into the faith. I think it's a it's a special thing that's really helpful to me and a lot of other Catholics, I think. So appreciate you sharing your journey a bit with us. Happy to do that. Happy to do that. And I'd like to think maybe that's a part of why I got to be on the journey is to be able to, to share some aspects of it like that. And uh, you think of after a while when enough kicks in to, you know, kind of along with the spirit to help you make that decision. Uh, and then how you become eager to be fully part of everything else to, you know, understand uh, when to, you know, make the sign of the cross and when to kneel and stand and those things as well. The, the proper way to be reverent uh, toward the monstrance and all of those things. And then that real hunger for the Eucharist you develop by the time you can finally walk up there without just folding your arms across the chest. Uh, you're, you're really eager. You're really getting impatient for that. And so uh, kind of a, a, a beautiful impatience, I guess, along the way. No, that's right. We have converts here. And so this one particular gentleman was Episcopalian. He would come up for a blessing. And even to this day, he's entered the church about three years ago. And every reception of communion for him is powerful. You know, he just, he, he just, came to faith in a real presence, but he had to wait. And I remember his coming up almost at the poverty of having to cross yourself and not receive. And especially when you come, you actually do believe it's Christ and then you can't still receive. So it's quite a, it's quite a process. You know, I think about that myself, what, what that would be like. And uh, again, it's really, uh, really amazing. You know, maybe one of the quotes I wanted to share today on the program too, before I get too far in uh, or it's over is uh, this John Henry Newman quote, which I love. He says, to live is to change and to be perfect is to have changed often. Uh, so to live is to change and to be perfect is to have changed often. And I think that includes in our religious understanding of the Lord and the church and her teachings. And we have to change often. Uh, and hopefully we change to become more like Jesus, not less like Jesus. And that's the question. We all we all change in life. We have different tastes and different things. And people come into our lives and fade in and out. And hopefully many stay. But I think uh, Newman, again, it's, it's a great feast day to, to really think and ponder him. Uh, about that. I know I can't remember the quote. One other thing I knew he said is uh, 
go up to the top of the steeple to come to know God, and God will tell you to go back down among the people and learn who he is, kind of day-to-day life of discovering discipleship. And so so he did that himself, and, and converts do that in a special way. So I, I think today we uh, we give a shout-out and a thank you to all the converts who have come into the faith and who uh, remind us of the gifts that we possess already, that hopefully we can sort of deepen that a bit. Well, amen to that, Father. And you mentioned uh, change, as Newman would say, too, and that that ongoing conversion is something. It's not like uh, we we just made it and that's it. Any more so than we talk about our young people, you know, going through confirmation, and that's not like graduation from the church and you don't don't see them again. We kind of had that situation, too, in the Lutheran church with kids uh, I didn't see in Sunday school, and then, boom, they were there a couple of years in early junior high and never saw them again. Uh, but we need, as adults uh, and anybody, to, to keep growing, uh, to have that daily conversion of heart. And I think we can start small, you know, one one young person or one inviting one person to Mass. We, you know, sometimes we want to come up with the magic program that stops the flow out, but, um, you know, Christ and the Holy Spirit are at work, and we just got to bring him one back or bring two faith, one at a time, as you did and as, as Newman did, and I'm sure, you know, many people along the way uh, helped that happen. So we just, I think we need to, you know, be right where we are today, and maybe someone will put us, God will put someone on our path that we can help them uh, to become more like Jesus and we become more like Jesus and, and discover him kind of walking with them and we get changed as well for the good. So that's the hope of the program today and hope Newman will, uh, I'm sure he will, uh, St. John Newman will pray for you today and pray for all our listeners and, and maybe in a special way, maybe in light of his witness, we pray for young people that have drifted from the church today and pray or make a little sacrifice in some way, maybe someone we know um, and just offer you know a memorare, a Hail Mary for them today uh, and ask St. John Henry Newman to have them discover what he discovered uh, that gave him so much peace and fullness of life. Well, thank you for so much info on Newman today. Uh, good inspiration for us. And uh, before we let you go, Father Tryon, I know we get to talk on a quite regular basis, but starting the new year, what would you have our audience pray for you and your parish for this coming year? Yeah, I would pray for a, just a, a joy, a radical joy and a freedom to, to know and love the Lord freely. Um, yeah, great question. I, I, yeah, I want to do some more outreach evangelization to lapsed people within our borders and to uh, definitely do some adult education things we want to do with the Eucharistic document from the bishops. We're, gonna, we're kind of discerning what to do. So we have a lot, of, a lot of ideas, but not a lot of plans. So pray that we know what the Lord wants and we do it with great zeal and zest. Uh, have a lot of new staff. So exciting times, but pray for St. Thomas More and, and my ministry. I appreciate that. And uh, just that we can hear the Lord's voice and respond uh, whatever he wants to do with great great joy and enthusiasm. Excellent. Father Marcel Tyone joining us this morning, a regular here on Morning Air. Morning Air continues as one of your New Year's resolutions to find that dream job. We'll look at how working with recruiters can be a great way to help our pro on looking for job stuff. Bruce Lockenhauer is next as we continue with more of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and on the Relevant Radio app. From Maui to Maine, you're listening to Morning Air with John Morales, coast to coast on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Working nine to five, what a way to make a living, heavy, getting by. It's all taking and no giving, they just use your mind and they never give you credit. It's enough to drive you crazy and you let it. Oh. 
9 to 5. always thought that would be nice. This really early radio stuff can be a challenge sometimes, but uh, I might have figured it out after a couple years here. Good morning. It's Glenn in for John today. His morning air continues here on Relevant Radio and on the Relevant Radio app, our story corner. Great uh, news story out of the news here in the last week. Uh, someone's saving someone's life. It's part of our story corner coming up before this hour is through. But as we talk today, our theme kind of on uh, good things to do in the new year, whether it be Exodus 90, we talked about the disciplines of that in the past hour, setting a new budget. Maybe on your list of new things to do is to find a new job. Been talking about that on a regular basis with uh, career coach Bruce, Bruce Lockenhauer. We've been uh, talking about this uh, series of steps to finding your dream job and is using a recruiter Part of that, maybe being recruited by a recruiter, headhunting help and more. We're going to talk about that with someone who does just that. Bruce, Happy New Year. Great to have you along this morning. Glenn, Happy New Year. Great to be here. Hey, by the way, our number is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. If uh, you have questions for career Coach Bruce Lockenauer, we'd love to hear from you this morning. Maybe some success stories as well, if you'd like to, to share that. As we get into the new year, does this end up being a time when people, maybe especially coming out of what's been called the great resignation here with so many people uh, leaving their jobs in the last several months, uh, this time of year generally it's a time when people will look for that fresh start in the workplace as well? Yeah, it is, Glenn. It is. And it's... Um... You know, again, uh, the great resignation is not my favorite term. It uh, has negative connotations. I prefer to think of it as the great reawakening, that being quarantined, changing your work routine, spending time at home, people have awakened to some of the most important priorities in life, which is uh, finding a way to you know, balance work and life, do something that, you're, that you love, that you're good at, that you're passionate about, and achieve your supernatural goals of getting to heaven. So, uh, but but, you know, we're coming out of a year, Glenn, like none other. 2021 had more records in the employment front that has put us in this uh, state of the market that we're in right now, which is a wonderful one. If indeed you prayerfully discern that you should change some things on the work front. Now, now is certainly time. I mean, you'll recall we talked about some of these things. In fact, just yesterday, there was a uh, an estimate that Today, the number of job openings has hit yet another all-time record of 12 million. And that matches up with only 7 million job seekers. So there are almost two jobs for every job seeker. Now, I, I don't want to be Pollyannish and say, oh, all I have to do is get around. No, there are steps you need to take. But if you take those steps and figure out what you really want, what you're good at, what you're passionate, you can find something that, that'll, that'll uh, help you get there. The, um, we also talked about there was a record... Uh, they've been tracking state unemployment rates for 45 years, and and uh, the state of Nebraska set a record at 1.9%. They have three job seekers for every job, and that was uh, three months ago. Last month, they came in at 1.8%, so that, that continues. You mentioned you know the quit rate. There were uh, a record in September, 4.4 million people beat November, 4.5 million people. Uh, and, then, and companies are responding here. Uh, the other thing is that they're responding because Fewer people are working now than before the pandemic, and, and economists are scratching their heads. Retirement is one factor. People going off on their own is another factor. But uh, companies have gotten very aggressive in trying to bring workers to work for them because there are fewer of them out there, including you know, sign-on bonuses and higher salaries, but novel things like UPS setting up an online uh, process so in 10 minutes you can get hired and be sitting beside a driver you know, uh, the next day or, or the, in the next week. McDonald's. 
was offering people 50 bucks just to show up for an interview. So you're seeing, you're seeing things we haven't seen before in, in the job market. Um, and, you know, although I, I point to the quarantine as a big catalyst in this, as in part of the reawakening, is that, you know, people, a lot of, you know, when quarantine, when the pandemic hit, companies pulled back and the workers that were left had more work to do. We had a caller early on who uh, was said, oh, you know, burnout is what I'm experiencing. I've got an offer to leave, but I don't want to leave my coworkers in an even worse position. So you've, you've got that. And then on the other hand, the, the job market itself has become, I mean, Uber likes this term and a lot of online apps, uh, frictionless, meaning it's not quite as hard to change as it used to be. You know, with LinkedIn and Indeed and all these job sites, you've got an online market of what's out there in front of you. And because a lot of jobs allow you to work from home or have flexibility, you don't necessarily need to relocate. And, and in our economy, which has become more and more a service economy, those skills are, are transferable. So you know, I have to tell you just a quick aside here, uh, if I can, Glenn. We, uh, we were on a, a holiday flight, Christmas flight, and got struck up a conversation with a flight attendant who, uh, before the pandemic, was a, a sales rep for a sporting goods company and continued to do so. But, but pandemic missed meeting people in the quarantine. So what did, what did she do? She decided to apply to an airline, went through their training program, and now uh, does both sales and gets her people fixed uh, by uh, uh, being a flight attendant and meeting you know, hundreds of, of new people every day. I just thought that was sweet. But it's, it, again, it ties to the fact that we're in a market where you should figure out what it is that you're good at and that you want to do, figure out where it is out in the market, and go get it. Bruce, in this environment right now with uh, so many job openings and uh, wages going up, inflation, of course, going up uh, maybe even faster as well. But are we seeing uh, with, uh, again, the, the great reawakening, if we call it that a little bit as well, kind of a revenge of the workers, uh, not only through the years, but maybe especially through the early part of the pandemic, those still employed had, uh, you know, all kinds of stresses on them. And, and now that uh, job openings are popping up like crazy. Uh, is it really, like I said, kind of a revenge of the workers? I need this if I'm going to keep working here kind of environment. Yeah, the, the, um, there was a survey done uh, late in the summer where in uh, CFOs mentioned that the number one concern they had was talent and recruiting and retaining talent. And one of the a CFO of a major software company said that the, 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 the power has shifted from the recruiter firm to the recruited or the employee. Uh, absolutely. There's a whole lot more leverage. You know what, though? I will tell you that, that uh, like anything in life, it takes time for companies to come around. I think those that are, I mentioned UPS, McDonald's getting creative and figuring out ways to meet their employees' needs. I think we're getting there. It's not going to, it's not a, a switch that's flipped, Glenn, but yes, I do think there's a lot more power in, on the employee side versus the employer side. And before we uh, dive a little more into the headhunter uh, aspect of uh, you know, recruiters and, and all of that, just a question about with so many jobs available, and you mentioned uh, that uh, flight attendant who gets to do that and a little sales as well. Is this a good time for people to really, they've, I guess, called it the, the side hustle? They might have their, their job job, but they've been pursuing one of their loves on the side to try and make some, some money with that. Has this been an environment where that can take off a little more, where whether it's a a job of something on the side that we really love, maybe more than the full-time job, or just having a second job because they're so readily available. Are we seeing an explosion of that as well? 
You know, John, we are. Uh, we are seeing an increase in entrepreneurship, which I think links right back to what you're saying, is that people were working their jobs. They were at home. Uh, they had Instead of using that time commuting, they might have tried to fire up their online site uh, or uh, provide an online service, what have you. And as a result, we have, um, there were 4.5 million new businesses that were started from January to October. That's up like more than 50%. Um, and the, the, the number of people that are self-employed has risen by half a million since the start of the pandemic. So uh, I think the answer is that people have dabbled in other things. And that's part of the reason why you have fewer people in the workforce available for companies to hire is that they did dabble, found out they can uh, do something else and uh, have it meet their life goals. All this, you know, we have to, you know, we have to provide for our families and 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 you know, be satisfied in what we what we're doing on the professional front. But you know, the the whole the whole gist of of the the twelve steps for landing your dream job is is figuring out what it is that will make you happy and allow you to achieve your goals. And hopefully, you've got eternal goals in there as well. What's going to allow you to be with your family for dinner at night? Maybe to stop at the church on the way to work or, or not going to work, find a way to go to, go to the church and, and, and pray. You'll figure out, and again, I, I, uh, I, I've gotten some feedback on this, but um, I think the best way to figure that out, you know, New Year's time, New Year's resolutions, you know, find that new job. But the best, the first step there, Glenn, is to discern what that should look like. And there's no better way to do that than to do it, <clears throat> excuse me, in front of the Blessed Sacrament or on a retreat where you can just unplug and really make sure you've got your life focused the way you want it focused. Well, Bruce, I love that you always bring that into it with our conversations as well, that we ought to be doing not just what we like, but maybe using the talents we've been given through the Lord to do what he would like us to do and ultimately find the, the most joy in the midst of that. Uh, part of your job, a big part of it, is as a recruiter. Let's talk about that aspect a little bit before we get to our first break here in terms of who uses a recruiter for what kind of jobs and can that work for us both ways as well, both seeking a job as well as having those openings we need to get filled. Yes, indeed. Um, recruiters cross the, the spectrum, Glenn, from, from administrative assistants to board directors and CEOs and everything in between. It's, and I'll, I'll just, just leave one, one provocative thought in case our listeners have to run into the office or whatever. And that is remember recruiters, are paid for by the company and they represent the company, not you. So that, that, that's important when you go in and you work with a recruiter because you think, oh gosh, I'm, I'm looking for this job. We'll just let all the recruiters know, et cetera. We, I want to go deeper in that. And there are different types of recruiters. Those that are, that are paid to find, they're retained. And those that only get paid if they have someone hired is retained in a contingent recruiter. So we'll, we'll, we'll explore that more after the break. Well, it sounds good. Uh, not quite a union situation here, but we are uh, required to take a break right now. And so we're going to you know, look for that donut and come back with uh, recruiter Bruce Lockenhauer and uh, talk about how you can find that dream job next as Morning Air continues here on Relevant Radio and on the Relevant Radio app.
Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com forester. Get connected to the conversation. Call us now at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. You're listening to Morning Air with John Morales. On that commute with you this morning, it's Glenn in for John as Morning Air continues. Patrick Madrid coming up at the top of the hour. New story corner on the way in a few minutes as well. Continuing our conversation now. Happy to have Bruce Lockenhauer with us. He's a career coach and a recruiter as well. Today, as part of the 12-step series on how to find and land your dream job, talking working with recruiters. And I'm curious about that a little bit too, Bruce, in terms of what kinds of jobs might recruiters be involved in? We talked a little before the break, and it's not just the super-duper big jobs either. No, it's across the board. And when a recruiter is called, is typically after the employer has tapped their own network. And this is why when we talked earlier about networking being so critical to this whole process, that's when you want to get in. But if they've tapped their network and they didn't find you through their network, they'll call the recruiter. And, and they'll, they'll do that later because they have to pay a fee to that recruiter to find you. And again, it's everything from an executive assistant to a, an engineer, a lawyer, uh, up and down. Uh, up and down the uh, the whole employment spectrum. So most most people will encounter recruiters at some point during their their career. And you know, there are two things I want to talk about, you know, the types of recruiters and what they are just to help people understand what's going on and then what to do when you're called by a recruiter. So it, it, it helps to understand the, the, uh, the, that profession. There are at the at the most senior levels, it's typically retained recruiters, meaning like a lawyer who's paid a retainer to work on a project. The recruiter is brought in, uh, helps develop the position specification, is looking for something very specific, uh, and that company pays that retainer upfront, usually over you know, three or four months. And that recruiter's mission is to develop a slate of candidates. So they're um, they'll be calling you if it looks like you fit, and they're eager to see if you can fit or if you would uh, be able to refer others uh, to them. Uh, but, but more common, uh, in, especially in, in uh, like an admin job, whatever, although there are retained recruiters there too, are contingent recruiters. And they get paid when they place a candidate in a role. So what they're trying to do is develop a stable of candidates that they can shop to their clients. And they get paid if and when uh, that client hires someone. So there's a little bit more risk. There's, there's risk in both of these, uh, less so on the retained front. And it's important to, to who, whenever a recruiter calls to figure out who they are, what they're doing, what their situation is. But um, there's a greater risk of being exposed and a little bit less confidentiality. And, um, you know, if someone, if that recruiter calls and says, you know, oh, gee, so nice to get to know you, Glenn, I'd like to represent you. They're not your agent. They're a contingent recruiter. It means they're going to take your resume and try and get paid for placing you somewhere else. It is always better to network into that hiring manager, just as I said, the process that, that they go through. So that, that's kind of the, the two types of contingent and the retained recruiter. So if you get contacted on LinkedIn, be it an email or be a phone call 
first question you want to ask is, oh, gee whiz, you know, thanks for thanks for calling. Appreciate it. Love to know what your arrangement is with the company. And 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 and, and don't let them say, oh, yeah, we've been working with them for a long time, whatever. No, no, no. Um, have you been paid a retainer to to fill this position? No, we haven't. We've been informed that there is a position open and we're we're hoping to place a candidate there. That that lets you know that they are a contingent uh, recruiter. Despite you know, regardless, you like anything in life, you know, Glenn, I believe you want to be helpful to others. So it's important that either type of recruiter calls, you let them know if you're a good fit or not. And if you're not, help them out. Because if you help them out, they'll, they'll put you at the top of their list uh, on, on calling so you have a, a sense for what's going on in your uh, sector of the job market. And you'll become uh, what we call in the industry a friend of the firm. Uh, you know, another note on getting that call, that email, sometimes you, there are long periods of silence. It's like, wait a minute, you know, I talked to this recruiter, I had the interview and there's nothing, crickets. Uh, that happens, unfortunately, all too often. And recruiters get busy on other things. Uh, clients get busy on other things. Although at the beginning of a search, they'll say, this is the most important thing there is out there. Some clients, it's true, and they'll, they'll move mountains. Others, they, they can get distracted. It can take time. What you don't want to do, though, Glenn, is go around the recruiter to the employer. A, a little anecdote, another anecdote here. I've got a real-time search right now, open search. I'm God willing, we're, we're, we're nearing the end. Where a very attractive candidate um, and, and this is confidential search, so we had them sign a non-disclosure agreement. After uh, this candidate signed the non-disclosure agreement, they went right to the client and said, oh, I signed the, the non-disclosure agreement with Bruce's firm, and here I am. I want to meet with, the, you know, went right to the CEO. Just sent the wrong signal that this person was overly aggressive and they were concerned about culture fit, et cetera. So there, there are, uh, if, if, you're, if you are in the process, you should respect the process, but again, I'm suggesting the best way to land a job in this market is to network. As far as on the company side, by the time they make that choice to, to use a recruiter, if they haven't usually done that, like you say, it might be the, the point where they've run out of their network. Are they looking for the recruiter's network or just some better ways to advertise the recruiter might have than their own HR department? Yeah, typically it's the network. It's the network and a third. Yeah, it's the, the network and the experience that that person, that that firm has, that that recruiter has in accessing that talent, assessing that talent, and bringing that talent to, presenting that talent to the client. And Glenn, it's it's when it's tough. It's when it's a it's a tough to find executive. Maybe you've got certain uh, requirements which made it hard to find them through your networking. That's typically when you go to um, a search firm and or you just need it, need it yesterday. So you don't have time to work through your network. You'll reach out to, to the search firm, but you're looking for their, uh, you know, you'll check on the track record. How have they done placing similar executives in similar roles or some similar people in similar roles, being an engineer or a, again, an administrative assistant or, or a lawyer, you know, what, what have you. Um, uh, so it's the, it's the expertise, I would say, the, the understanding of the talent, the ability to succeed in that type of project. Career coach uh, Bruce Lachenauer, our guest, as we look at recruiters uh, during this uh, portion of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio, helping you to find that dream job, helping you to kind of uh, talk it over with the Lord first and uh, see how he would recruit you as well as we talk about <laughs> recruiters in specific today. Now, Bruce, we started the conversation again, as most of these with you, about what a great job market it is in, in so many ways. And so, you know, to some degrees, depending on the job, the job seeker a little bit in the, in the driver's seat. But as you talked about the best way to, you know, 
handle the situation if you're looking for a job and a recruiter contacts you to work through that recruiter. But kind of a good rule of thumb in general, if there is something in an ad for a job you're looking for, you know, follow the directions. Uh, apply in the fashion they want you to apply. Talk to the people they want you to talk to. Take notes for yourself mentally on, you know, everything you can learn about that prospective job and, and company. But often how you proceed through that job application process is actually part of the interview, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten interesting feedback from my assistant <laughs> in working to get somebody scheduled or, or when they interact with people or a client when, when that person arrives. You know, don't, <laughs> you know. Be nice to that uh, receptionist. You know, every you're right. Every it, it's like a, a painting, a, a, an impressionist painting, where every little data point, when they come together, they make a picture. And as a recruiter, I'm constantly striving to find who that person is. Uh, and it's uh, well, we'll talk about referencing later. That's a, that's another key way to do it. But you're right. Every step of the process is makes an impression and needs to be uh, uh, thought through. Uh, you'd be surprised, Glenn, at, at how some people. Don't do that. You know, the other interesting thing in today's market, we talked a lot about salaries going up, is uh, compensation. Because in the last few years, there's been a, uh, a move underfoot to make it illegal for a recruiter or a company to ask a candidate what their current salary is. So, uh, and that's many states and several municipalities. So instead, what you'll hear from a recruiter like myself is, Glenn, what are your expectate? What are your compensation expectations? Nine times out of ten, when I ask that, someone tells me what they're making making today. But you know, I, I would encourage our listeners if if they do find themselves in that situation when you're you're looking for a job and, and you're in, and we'll talk more about this in the negotiation sector but section. But let them know, kind of, I'm accustomed to making in this range, and I'm seeking to make uh, in in this range. So it's um, you can and, and again, like you said, when you see a job opening. Do the research. You want to follow the process, but that that you may find out that there's demand for that across the sector. And if that's something that fits your competencies and your passion, then start networking in. Not to that that company in that role. You can, but I, I, I'm with you. Stay in the process. But there are other companies and other roles. And the dream job may be in you know, the leader in that industry or a specific boutique that's growing quickly. That that boutique firm that that uh, uh, is fits you and your culture and what your desires are. I would guess you would recommend we can't, as a job seeker, do too much research on a, a position in a company. And then, you know, when it comes time to maybe actually landing that job, we'll kind of hit the ground running a little bit, too, if we know a lot more about how they operate. You're right. And it's it's not only knowing it, but, but, but aligning it with who you are and what you bring. Um, we mentioned up front in, in discerning prayerfully, what are you good at? What are your competencies? What, what can you do very well? And where can you do that? What kind of jobs um, uh, would take leverage those, those competencies? And what are you passionate about? Because, you know, the, the nine to five songs that we're playing in the intros here, you know, you're, you're going to be spending a lot of time in that environment should be something that you care about and that you're passionate about. So that job spec or that posting is like the answer key. They'll tell you everything they need and see how well that aligns with who you are and what you're passionate about. And if it does, you know, go after it, get, find a way in, network in, as we talked about before, because most jobs never see the light of day. They, they, meaning they don't get to recruiters, they don't get to uh, postings, they go right through their network. That's their very first step. 
Bruce, 30 seconds left. Been watching a lot of football during bowl season here. If uh, you're giving us that locker room speech before we head out onto the field, what's the last thing you say? You know, John Paul II, be not afraid. Uh, it is, it's now, you know, and, and New Year's resolutions time. It is, it's a great time to take a step back. You know, maybe on the weekend, maybe on a retreat, maybe going to the church, whatever, and really think about what's most important and, and then bring in your job and, and prayerfully discern what, you know, is this, is this good? Should I be doing something different within my own company? Should I be changing my role or should I be looking at, at a different role? So I think if you do that, you know, our Lord's not going to leave you hanging. You'll, my favorite aspiration is, Lord, that I may see. And uh, often I see. I don't always like what I see, but uh, God willing, our, our listeners will see. Thank you so much, Bruce Lockenauer. Always a joy to talk work stuff and more. And blessings to all seeking that new position out there. We continue with Morning Air now. Time for a look at today's Story Corner. Our story fresh from the sports headlines here called Hockey's Biggest Save. Last October, 22-year-old Nadia Popovici was attending the Seattle Kraken game against the Vancouver Canucks in Seattle. Sitting behind the Canucks bench that day, she noticed an irregularly shaped mole on the back of staffer Brian Hamilton's neck. Popovici, who's going to medical school next year, said the mole caught her eye as Hamilton walked across the bench between periods of the NHL game. I spotted some of the classic signs, you know, irregular borders, a little bit of discoloration, a pretty large diameter, she said as she spoke with CBC News. I thought, you know, it can't hurt to just say something. Hamilton was in the middle of moving equipment between periods when he noticed Popovici pressing her phone against the plexiglass. The message on her phone was written in large font and expressed her concern about the mole. Though Hamilton says he initially brushed off the notes, he later had his team doctor check it out and discovered... It was a malignant melanoma that could have had life-threatening consequences if left untreated. She saved my life, he said during a news conference Saturday. She didn't take me out of a burning car like the big stories, but she took me out of a slow fire. Hamilton and the Canucks were determined to find Popovici, so they posted a letter on social media. It took about an hour to find her. Popovici was in attendance at Seattle's home game against the Canucks on Saturday and met Hamilton. The two shared a hug that was later broadcast on the Jumbotron. During the game, the Kraken and Canucks announced the two teams would be giving Popovici $10,000 toward her medical school funding. Matthew 7:12. So whatever you wish others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. That's our story today. Thank you so much for joining us. Hear it again, if you like, in podcast form on the Relevant Radio app. Patrick Madrid, coming up next.